Hello, everyone. Welcome to Darn IT Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Gresson Jr. And today's episode number 10, we are going to do a little bit different. Now, in every 10th podcast, um, I just kind of want to sort of take the gloves off a bit and look at certain topics or uh, things that may or may not be problematic in our society uh, relating to um, cybersecurity or IT. Now, one of the things in the cybersecurity industry, is there's a lot of uh, these things work, these things don't work attitude. And understanding that there are a lot of little things that make an organization run. So in turn of the issues that come about on the cybersecurity landscape, there's a lot of organizational problems that need to be overcome before you know you really look at the right cybersecurity posture. So like I said, I'm taking the gloves off and we're gonna talk about why nothing is working in cybersecurity. Now you can hear all the nice things, butterflies, rainbows, all the good things, all the bad things, the scary things, not so scary things that we can talk about. And that's something I really strive to stay away from when talking about cybersecurity, because there's always this uh, fear, this form of persuasion that you must have your cybersecurity posture at a top level and you must spend billions of dollars into investing in your infrastructure. Otherwise you're screwed. You're going to get attacked. You're going to get breached and lose money and your business is going to fail. Now, I really don't like these fear tactics because there is a preventative measure or measures to put in place. However, we don't really turn the tables on ourselves in this industry and look at what we're doing wrong besides the arbitrary, you know, you're, you're doing bad things and you're going to crash and burn as you will. So, you know, I do spend some of my time thinking about future cybersecurity attacks, sort of methodologies that businesses or people in my shoes can think of to protect businesses of all shapes and sizes. Um, you know, I know some people can call this threat modeling or cyber threat intelligence, um, but you know, I've I've recently had some revelations about cybersecurity, which uh, it's not as spectacular as the actual Book of Revelation by Saint Saint John. Um, but I'm not here to read Bible scriptures or put you to sleep of any of that. <laughs> it's just the, uh, the book of revelations had a nice spin to it when it, when it came to cybersecurity. Um, now a few things in the revelations that I have is, uh, that a lot of governments are hypocritical when it comes to cybersecurity. Um, a lot of businesses or a lot of governments, sorry, in Canada and the United States, have have numerous non-for-profit organizations running to spread the good word, as you will, uh, about cybersecurity and cyber awareness. But I just find that as they're trying to fund the private sector in cybersecurity, 
they're really not doing the same thing themselves. But at the same time, there's some examples of governments of trying to enforce or highly encourage or persuade, as you will, uh, IT organizations to open backdoors, uh, encryption backdoors, as you will, um, within the intelligence and law enforcement communities. Um, and they may be a little hellbent on your right to privacy, which duplicity is understandable, but regardless. Now, there's a lot of other nation state motivations uh, regarding cybercrime, um, which are questionable, but really you're eating your hand as you will, or governments are eating their hand in terms of this. And um, according to cybersecurity ventures, they predict global spending on cybersecurity products and services will exceed one trillion over the five years from 2017 to 2021. So in two years, um, the global spending would be in excess of $1 trillion. That's a lot. Uh, well, really, you look at how the threats are facing your business today and how it will affect the future. Um, it's kind of hard to say. And then even the next two years in 2019 now, it's hard to really predict what the next or latest and greatest threat, as you will, will affect the world. And that's really hard to predict because literally every day there's over hundreds and hundreds of thousands of new malware written and released on the web a day. So you can think about that compounding effect that's only a matter of time before something comes like the, you can call it the electronic bubonic plague that can take us all to hell if it spreads throughout the world. And, um, you know, that's really the essence of our daily problems. So, you know, in conclusion with that, you know, we can expect very little in the way of impactful action against cybercrime and organizations as big and small uh, will continue to face incremental and exponential cyber criminal threats, which will drive, and I'm going to say it's going to surpass the $1 trillion global cybersecurity industry. And there's a lot of things around that. Now, don't get me wrong. I do appreciate the fact that the governments are here in the government of Canada is really trying its best to um, persuade businesses of all shapes and sizes to have the right cybersecurity in place, you know, as far as their privacy laws and their compliance laws really enforce that fact. But, you know, for me in the in the trenches, I really don't see a bigger need or desire for businesses of all shapes and sizes to make sure they have a proper policies and procedures, um, policy, policies and procedures in place, but they really don't have the proper countermeasures and protective services to help mitigate some of those risks. Uh, another revelation um, is basically you need product X to protect from attack Y. And uh, this is a widely accepted cybersecurity truth, um, you know, and this is substantiated by multiple vendor reports, um, like think tanks like uh, SANS, um, which indicates a vast majority of impactful cyber, cyber attacks occur as a result of a phishing email. Now, despite all the best efforts of email service providers and email filters, we still receive dangerous and malicious emails. Um, which contain malicious links or attachments. Um, but 
you know, I'm not, I'm not here to invalidate everything the cybersecurity industry products and services are out there and even the stuff that we utilize. Um, but basically, if email defenses are not part of your security strategy, then really the main attack vector that threat actors use, statistically speaking, you're susceptible for these attacks. And that's something to keep in mind. Um, another thing is user training is um, it's the least cost, but the most highly impactful security control any business can establish. Uh, basically, other than promoting it, a lot of businesses are just lip servicing this, um, you know, just through a PowerPoint presentation. They just, they, you know, business leaders just, you know, sit down with their employees and talk about, hey, you know, this is what we got to watch out for. This is what you don't click on. And really it doesn't emphasize and overemphasize the fact that, you know, these threats are changing. And like the stat I said earlier, you know, there's over 300, over 300,000 malicious code released and distributed on the internet a day. And we don't realize that the landscape is continually evolving. It's more of a dynamic fashion, as you will. And a lot of business leaders don't understand that fact. They just think using outdated PowerPoint presentations and not really getting the proper cybersecurity awareness training is really going to put them backwards at it. According to the FBI, an FBI report, the fastest growing trend in cybercrime is business email compromise. Business email compromise is pretty much a social engineering attack, which seeks to create a sense of urgency to either wire transfer funds or changing banking information or to click on link, etc. So um, basically it's impossible, literally impossible to prevent a business email compromise attack in your organization through technological means. Um, you know, you can just sit and say, you know, business email compromise attacks beware, securities trained staff and other out of band authentication processes, any hope of stopping this type of attack. You, you got to look at the, the who's receiving this message. And a lot of business people don't realize that it has nothing to do with the technologies in place because they always overemphasize on cybersecurity is a technical problem. It's the CIO or CISOs or IT staff's problem, but they really don't realize that it takes a an actual village to be cyber secure. And that talks about all the departments, all the individuals, all the managers, all the personnel, whoever is in that particular business, they need to be part of this this protective services and they gotta take in the action in terms of being cyber aware especially when it comes to email. Um, it also should be noted as well with GDPR, PCI, DSS, and HIPAA-like, and, and uh, PIPIDA, uh, we all have user training requirements through the staff members, their potential exposure to sensitive data or cardholder banking information. You know, if your user security training program is not a priority, then there is a chance that you and your business will be victimized by this ever-evolving cyber attacks that use social engineering as a fundamental a technique to get information from you um, or look at ways to exploit your infrastructure. So you need to understand that it's not just about the fact that you uh, have to have the latest and greatest, which is not necessarily the truth for a lot of businesses in Canada, especially, but you have to understand that getting this, the proper awareness training will help the constant cyber awareness training, might I add, will really keep you fundamentally ahead of the curve when there is a potential issue for your organization.
Um, another revelation is, uh, and I may have touched on it earlier, that your business is the cybersecurity problem and the cybersecurity solution, um, which it is true in some ways because it is your problem. It's your problem now. It's your problem for your business. It's a problem for your for yourself personally. It's a problem for your family. It's a problem for your neighbor. It's it's literally the cybersecurity is a problem for everybody and it's never going to go away unless we get pushed back in the dark ages. And then um, you can come find me and tell me otherwise. But right now, as status quo, your business is a cybersecurity problem and it's also a solution all in one. So, you know, have you ever considered proposing that it's based on the idea that current cybersecurity challenge has little to do with cybersecurity controls or their effectiveness. Um, really, I see as an arch nemesis of cybersecurity and as a complexity and technological debt. Um, physical network complexity in the SMB, the small medium business or small medium enterprise, however, however way you want to spin this is fairly simple to an extent. Um, you know, you have internet connectivity, you got the firewall, internal network, and that's it really small medium businesses don't have a lot of complexities um, but it doesn't mean that they don't need to have any of those layers which will in essence properly protect them from or properly mitigate some of the cyber risks that come against the organization um, the larger enterprises um, they, they're a bit more they're a bit more complex um, you know having multiple office locations you know um, you know DMZ um, you know, peer to peer, whatever the case may be. Um, the, the, the simple physical model has not changed very much since the beginning of connectivity. Um, but logical complexity has exploded. So in terms of mobile devices, um, SaaS software as a service devices, hosted infrastructure platforms like IAS and PAS, you know, really they've all kind of conspired to elim eliminate any, resemblance of a security perimeter because it's so multifaceted that you know you can have a cloud-based solution somewhere else you can have a uh, a infrastructure as a service in a different location so it's really kind of added to that whole mixed bag as you will which makes the whole security perimeter complex so you're not you don't have the perimeter of your business at the edge of your network infrastructure this basically is in multiple touch points around the world. And that's what makes things more complex. Um, technological debt um, is also amplified by logical complexity. You know, the, mass, the vast majority of organizations are literally a hodgepodge of new technology and old legacy systems. And I can tell you the amount of times where I walk into a business and I see new and old systems and which gives me the heebie-jeebies if I'm to be honest. Um, but I've seen a lot of people claim that, you know, they're so out of date that they're, they're unhackable, which just, 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 uh, I'm not going to comment on that. And um, which in some regards may be the case, but um, typically what I would ask is, you know, what is your disaster recovery capability if your legacy hardware kicks the bucket? And typically speaking, they just look at me with a blank stare and say, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, so <laughs> we all we all know that not all versions of Windows, Mac, and Linux 
all run on software apps, but we also know on the client side, there are many dependencies on third-party apps um, like Adobe Java to support all these old systems. Uh, Quantum Leap in security is achieved by supporting technological roadmaps which target legacy systems which are difficult or if not impossible to secure. Um, you know, for one example is a lot of people still running Windows 7 now. And in November of 2019, um, the door of window of opportunities will, as you will, is closing in terms of being able to upgrade from seven to 10. And it's not just really impossible. It's just the fact that as of January 14, 2020, the support of this operating system for Windows 7 is no longer being supported. Um, another example is if you're using an old vulnerable Citrix, Citrix system, uh, working the business to move forward to something more modern, um, like RDP services, um, you know, decommissioning the Citrix platform is going to be more impactful to your security than buying a new security control system. Uh, moving, like I said earlier, moving to XP, Vista, Windows 7, 2003, 2008 machines to, you know, server 2012 or Windows 10 will do a lot more for your organization than deploying a really expensive firewall or expensive anti-malware solution or proactive solution. So really staying up to par with your technologies, um, software, et cetera, will at least close the gap in the amount of risk your organization takes when it comes to cybersecurity. So I just want you to have a key takeaway here um, is that a technological roadmap combined with a coherent digital transfer transformation strategy may be more impactful to cybersecurity than the purchase of more cybersecurity controls for your business. And coming from me as a business owner, you know, it may seem a bit risque to say, but it is the truth. Um, the added bonus of this approach is a reduction in complexity, which I love because I like to keep it simple. Um, it, it yields greater predictability within the environment um, because if you can add that sort of that hodgepodge of technology solutions in your business, all you're doing is causing complexity where things can go wrong or things can be failed or worse, things can be scrutinized and taken advantage of. Uh, if your complexity is reduced, and the predictability has increased, the deployment of security tools literally become more effective at detection and prevention of cyber attacks. So I want everyone to know that complexity isn't always the best thing for your organization. At the end of the day, you must be able to understand and get a grip on your security tools. But at the same time, if you keep them simplified and understandable, you really close that gap as you will um, and keep a good preventative measure and preventative stance in place, which will make your organization resilient to cyber threats for years to come. Thank you so much for listening to this episode 10 of Darn IT Podcast. I'm your host, Darnley Gresson Jr., founder and owner of Darn IT Group. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.